This episode is brought to you by Parker Technology, the customer experience solution of choice in the parking industry. Parker Solution puts a virtual ambassador in every lane to help parking guests pay and get on their way in under a minute. Parker helps capture revenue, provides better customer service, enables your staff to focus on other on-site tasks, and keeps traffic moving, all according to your business rules. With the Parker Solution, you'll also enjoy access to real-time call data and recordings. Learn more at helpmeparker.com slash parkingpodcasts. listening to the parking podcast views and opinions are my own just wanted to drop a quick word that we have some really cool t-shirts and other merch for sale that help support the podcast and make you look really really cool check them out at parkingcast.com slash swag or click the link in the show notes The Parking Podcast is brought to you by the International Parking and Mobility Institute, the world's largest association for professionals in parking, mobility, and transportation. Learn more at parking-mobility.org. Hey guys, for our 100th episode, we are flipping the script. I am getting interviewed about the podcast from one of my good friends, Brian Wolf of the Harder Than It Looks Parking Uncovered podcast. So uh, I hope you do check out the podcast and special thanks to Brian for being willing to uh, help us out today so you guys can kind of get behind the scenes on the parking podcast and hopefully uh, learn a little more and uh, what's gone behind uh, all 100 episodes. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to Brian in just a minute. Hey, Isaiah. It's Brian Wolf. I've got something a little bit special for you here for your 100th episode. First, congratulations. Second, you know, this, it is 2023 and everybody's have it has to have a little walk-up music. So here's your walk-up music. I already know it's going to be hell to the victors, baby. <laughs> I love it. So we're actually recording this before Michigan has played their first game, and I want to go out on record and predict that Michigan will win the national championship this year. So you heard it first on the Parking Podcast. So Brian is a wow uh, graduate from University of Michigan. I'm just a lifelong diehard. But uh, yeah, thanks, Brian. 100. Crazy. Um, yeah. Couldn't have done it without you. I don't say that lightly. Thank you for the sponsorships over the years that have kept the lights on and kept me motivated to keep yeah. doing it. Well, that's, that's great. I, I, um, as you mentioned in the intro, uh, I have embarked on a, uh, a podcast myself. So this is a la, you know, the networks when they do their ultimate crossover events where they're combined, they're mashing up two shows. <laughs> yeah. And I can't think of the two shows that you would mash up <laughs> Chicago fire and Chicago <laughs> yeah. PD or something like that. Yeah. So we're doing a mashup. So thank you for giving me the opportunity. I am humbled and honored to uh, to flip the script with you. It's going to be super exciting. I have uh, several questions, and then I've got a few. I've got a few little 
a little things that I'm going to drop in along the way to uh, to make this even more fun. I can't so, believe I'm saying this, but I'm a little nervous. I'm so used to having my script of questions, and I know exactly what I'm going to say. And now I'm just like, uh, I've got to speak from the heart. This is this is hard for me, but let's do it. <laughs> yeah, you you've got to speak from the heart, and but of course. No parking podcast, which I love about it, by the way, no parking podcast would be complete without asking the guest, how did you get into parking? (laughs) Hey, I I guess I knew that one was coming because that's my (laughs) go-to question. I hope you do that with your podcast as well. So, because I just, I love hearing the stories. Yeah. So I actually worked at a bank when I was in college. So the bank, I was making not minimum, but minimum wage, but pretty low. I was a teller part-time. Yeah. Um, but the reason I did it is they had tuition reimbursement. So I was going to grad school, working on my MBA and I would work like 20 hours a week and they would pay for it all. So it was an amazing deal. I wouldn't change a thing, especially because it led to my parking job because it was like in the first floor of a big, uh, big, uh, tower, big office building. Yeah. And uh, there was a parking company on the 20th floor. The owner of the parking company actually owned the building. So it was a really big family in Chattanooga, the Barry family. The owner would come down a couple times a year to cash checks or whatever. And he would tip all us tellers $100. And I was like, wow, wow, what a cool guy. He would just have hundreds in his pocket and just hand them out around Christmas. Um, and I was like, wow, that's that's got to be a pretty cool culture, pretty special guy. and I got to know some of the executives just from, you know, cashing checks or, yep. or getting them uh, money or whatever they needed, depositing checks. And what I realized back in the day, they they all came from the central parking background. The company was Republic Parking, yeah, and they were big on finding bodies, people, managers that could go out travel to different cities, run the parking because they're always bidding on, you know, the hardest thing is to find a proposed manager in the operator world. And right. So they said, Hey, you know, if you want to make, you know, make a minimum wage, they were like, you know, you can make six figures in this industry as a manager. You just have to be willing to relocate and work on promotions and you can even make it back to Chattanooga. They said, kids these days want to live close to home. They don't want to, I was different. I wanted to make money. I had dreams. I wanted to make a million dollars. So I was like, ship me anywhere. Right. Um, I know I'm going a little long here. I'll, I'll wrap it up. But well, they, okay. they, yeah, the, the, they really did ship me anywhere. They shipped me to Springfield, Massachusetts, which was the fifth most dangerous town in America at the time. A lot of gangs. And I was sent there because the city was trying to revitalize. And it started with parking, putting in paid parking. And sure enough, I, I learned everything I needed. It was the company's first on street. So luckily, I was just well positioned. I learned all about tickets and meters and adjudication and collections, how all that worked. No one in our company really knew that. So I got to learn it all. And then we'd get another one. They say, Isaiah, go set it up. And then we'd get another one, Isaiah, go set it up. And so I started seeing every type of handheld technology, every type of meter and just kept learning, kept soaking up. And eventually what they promised me happened. I went around the country and then got a job at corporate, got to move back to Chattanooga where my family was as an executive. So uh, now I uh, work for a few companies and now I'm with Pave Mobility, who's a, couldn't be happy there, but we'll talk about that at another time. But long story short, just right place, right time and just took advantage of some some opportunities and 
uh, some good people such as Jack Skelton and Scott Titmus that took a yeah. chance on me and Randy Jones and some people that taught me everything I, I knew about the industry. That's awesome. So uh, we have a couple of things in common. So I, I, I too started out in banking. And so my, my first question to you is what percentage of the time did you balance at the end of the day? <laughs> oh, oh, you know me, OCD. Uh, <laughs> I, I got I still have the certificate. So if you had, a, well, I can't believe you know that terminology. So yeah, it was a, it was uh the balance and accuracy. I, I got hundred percent balance. If you got it every day from month, you'd get this certificate. And I got oodles of them. And I cheated. You were not supposed to ever put your money in. But <laughs> as you know, we had like a little cup full of like pennies and quarters and dimes, nickels. Yep. You know, we go to this vending machine or whatever. But if I was over or under a nickel, I would sneak in a nickel. <laughs> if I was over a nickel, I would toss it in the jar. But uh, I just had the OCD. I had to have it 100%. And the people that have seen my work probably aren't surprised by that. That's funny. That is, that's hysterical. Well, I would say, so I was a teller for two weeks. I was in a management training program. So I, I got the teller for two weeks. First of all, that is by far one of the hardest jobs at a bank. Without a doubt, you hear every different sob story about this check that is, uh, you know, Brian Jones and you're Brian Wolf and I'm trying to cash this check and can't you just cash it? Cause I don't have any money for groceries and all of that. It was, oh, it man. was, uh, it was hard. Yeah. Was and, hard. and, but it kind of prepared me for parking because yeah, when I, you exactly go from right. someone who had three overdrafts and I hated <laughs> how banking does that, but $45 penalties mm-hmm. at 35, so hundred and something dollars. Cause they, they made three $5 transactions at Walmart and they're, yep. you know, so, those were sad and not being able to avoid those. And it, it helped me when parking ticket, I have less sympathy for it. Cause I'm like, you intentionally did not pay. You're in the wrong here. So it, it right. kind of prepared me for the dealing with all those. Opinions. Well, it, it prepared you for the front lines and it prepared you for hard conversations. And my guess is you got plucked out of obscurity by the Republic folks because they could see that they could see that you were bright and they could see that you were fastidious. Yeah. And so they they wanted you on the team. And then the fact that you would go anywhere. I, I too, broke into uh, pharmaceutical sales because I would go anywhere. I'm sure I got my yeah. shot because I didn't have any sales experience. I told the DM that I would go anywhere. And he he stuck me in Jackson, Michigan. And I, I met my wife in Jackson, Michigan. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. talk about fate. That's yeah. that's uh that's what flexibility, youth and flexibility will get you for sure. Yeah. And you gotta have the family support. So luckily I always had my family willing to relocate. I my my family's moved probably twelve times in fifteen years. Yeah. Some some yeah. in the same city, but yeah, thankful for that support. Let's get back to the podcast. So so what was the inspiration? How did you know? that parking needed a podcast like what was the inspiration for starting the podcast in the first place yeah well first of all there were none so uh, i've always loved podcast to this day i listen to podcasts weekly i'm a storyteller love movies the arts and so and i love doing two things at once multitasking so i'll be cleaning dishes and then listening to podcasts at the same time i feel like hey i'm doing two things at once it's a great feeling so just always love podcasts. And then I thought the parking industry doesn't have one. And I've always, my whole career, I just love this industry. I love kind of trailblazing or trying to be first or 
give back. I don't know how to explain it, but there's this like driving me to yeah. to do stuff that's not out there. So a lot of good blogs, you know, parking today, IPMI, different things I would kind of read. And but I thought there's really not something that focuses on people. Every once in a while a magazine would have like a employee spotlight, which I love. I thought, why not a podcast? And then me, I, I have like I have no fear of failure more more, like i don't really get embarrassed easily so i was like even if i do and it's garbage hey i may may learn i'm gonna learn something new i may meet some good people and i could say you know that wasn't for me so my whole career i've never been afraid to to try something and and, to dive in yeah yeah so it's just like um but the big thing i would say too so that's kind of why i did it but networking so i'm an introvert you you've You've seen me at trade shows. Usually I'm like trying to put my head down, pretend I'm on my phone and make it to my room because I'm just <laughs> so overwhelmed with talking to people. So I feel like yeah, this is like a good way for me under my control because I can kind of control the environment. I can meet new people. And a lot of these trade shows you go to and I just, I see the same people and I say, hi, how are you? How's it going? And I realize I really don't know these people. So you kind of have to break bread, have dinner with folks to kind of, I feel yeah. I can do that with the podcast. I learned the yeah. family, how they got into industry, their background. And then I feel like, wow, I'm I'm adding a whole new layer of like friendships here by, by, by doing this. So yeah. Yeah, so, did, so did, the, did yeah. yeah. So the podcast became your Superman to your Clark Kent, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, so, or yeah. your Batman to your Bruce Wayne. Exactly. It became your alter ego because to hear your podcast, you would never ever know that you were an introvert. Yeah. You have, you have, you. I've always admired the style and the grace you move through the questions, and especially now that I'm on the other side of the mic, I'm telling you, it's hard to make it look easy, <laughs> yeah. and you made it look easy. So, uh, congratulations to you on that. Thank front. you. Sure. Yeah, and I like because it's not live. So, for those that don't know, I don't. You know, I have kids and dogs and. Uh, there's always interruptions and sometimes yeah. my brain, I have these like, I don't know, I hate the word fart, but brain farts where I just like forget yeah. when I'm staying in the middle. <laughs> I have these things. So I was like, I can edit that out. So it's like, really, it's like a great way for me to to meet new people. And then they also feel more comfortable. Like, hey, if you mess up, we'll, we can edit that out. Yeah, we can, we can, we can, uh, we can make it go away. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. why don't you um why don't you tell us about how it's evolved though? So you've done a hundred episodes, which means you've been at this for how many years? Two years, Think three about years. It. Yeah, every two a month. So um, yeah, and then a lot of fillers. You know, we're taking this week off for Christmas yeah. or whatever. So probably I think nearly four or five years, maybe 2019. So on year four, moving to year five. So it's it's wild. So yeah, so IPMI that was the biggest game changer. They would love to have had a podcast, but didn't have the resources at the time. And I wasn't worried about money or anything. I just wanted to do this. So we had a an agreement where this would be, they'd be a strategic partner. They would help promote it. I would promote them. Just that's all it was. Just to, you scratch yeah. my back, I scratch yours. And that really helped because it gave it some, made it more official and they were pushing it to all their, their audience on, online and social media. So that was huge. But uh, yeah, I remember the, uh, very first one, it was uh, Charlie DeBow with uh, Curb Track at the time, and then Gary Means. I recorded them the same week. Two great like, interviews. Yeah, thank you. Remember those? Wow. Oh. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know. I feel the production. I had a very cheesy kind of 
long intro song and all these comments. And I just like, you know, we don't need it after some time. So I kind of improved like the production value, the intro, outro, some of my transitions. I, I've i learned like, don't record unless we both have a mic because so many times I've... Oh, the audio. The exception. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, they'll yeah. do it on the computer mic and it's just not as strong. Yeah. Um, you know, I started realizing people love hearing how people get into parking. So I made that a staple. I always ask, how'd you get into to uh, parking? And I always close with, you know, how can listeners learn more, follow along? So I don't know. It just kind of, just kind of uh, evolved to it almost became pretty easy now because I kind of know what I'm doing. I do s- script. It's not totally scripted, um, but I do kind of, I give my list, I give the guests kind of an outline kind of these are the topics. Even sometimes they give a question, you know, these are the questions I'm probably going to ask. But then as you see, you know, one question may open up 10 more questions or may lead me down or you have to, you can't be, you can't be stubborn and stick to your outline because it could be some great material if you just follow the flow of the conversation. So yeah, I've just kind of learned. Yeah. And then being present, you know, I think you're so good at that. I, my mind's always processing a million pounds per hour and thinking about what I'm going to say next and what, and I've learned sometimes truly listen to what they're saying and and don't be worried about the script or the time. Just kind of follow the conversation. So that's kind yeah. of what, what I've learned. Yeah. Yeah. That No, that's good. So it, you are the second person. Uh, there's another gentleman that, that I, I listen to his podcast religiously. Young man, just really sharp. And I ask him for advice. And he, he said the, the, the first thing or the, the one thing is to be present. Mm. So I've tried to do that. Um, just because you're right, you're, you've got to listen and you got to hear what's what the person is saying. And then for me, what what I always admired about the questions you ask and the follow-up questions, and then Joe Mills is this gentleman's name. He's really good at asking insightful questions based on what the person asked, right? And so it, it's it's mm. you have to be present in order to do that. Absolutely. That's what, right. and I'm not a huge like, Joe Rogan fan, like I've listened, yeah. to, but you know, I, I know enough about him and have listened to enough yeah. podcasts and seen him online, but oh, that's one way he's been so good. If you ever listen to him or watch the YouTube, like he, yep, like it could be anything. He just, he acts every statement that his guests say, he, he acts like, wow, that's so interesting. And he, I don't know, he, he asked the right question because he's present and he's listening, you know, and he's diving in. Yeah. He's, he's he wants to understand, and I feel like yeah. as he understanding or your, the audience is understanding. So, yeah. Which leads me to you know going back to the presence. So, tell me about some of your favorite or most memorable moments. So, like, so what sticks out back over a hundred podcasts? Like instantly, just top of mind. What comes? What comes to mind right away? The Donald Shoop episode. You oh know? yeah, <laughs> I classic. Just, yeah. I just. I knew he's like academic and just author and just looking at his picture, he kind of almost looks like a curmudgeon, just like this. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Just a smart, yeah. I know he's way smarter yeah, professor. than me. Yeah. yeah a smart but, professor. And I thought he would carry himself like that, like almost too good for me, but I was like shocked. It was like the exact opposite. Like he was just so sweet, just so uh, like present. And yeah. in fact, we recorded for like several. I was like, Doctor Shuba, I got, I got to get back to work. Like, he was like, Let's keep going. Uh, but he was laughing and just telling his stories and talking about his earliest memories or 
the bombing of Pearl Harbor. He was on base and just wow, uh, so many. I don't know. I just was just so shocked how by how kind, generous, and um, and truly just loves the industry and wants to give back. But that one, and then I love interviewing some of my mentors like Jack Skelton, who hired me, and Steve Resnick, yep. who yep. also hired me at a different company, and both have been just friends and mentors and. It's just funny to kind of flip the script and uh, and talk to them and ask them about their careers and why do you go out of the way to help people and because how they did with me. Um, I don't know. I just I love that. I love helping some of the startups, you know, that are not because of me, but you know, they were very small, right. just entering the market. Now they're they're doing you, well. Um, yeah, you helped them. Yeah, yeah. You put and them then, on the map. Yeah, well, I'd like to think so, but. And then uh, there's been some classic interruptions. Uh, just my dogs, or anytime a dog interrupts for a guest or something happens, I just I just love those moments, and I try to put them in the outtakes. But those are some of my favorite moments. Yeah, that's great. So back to Don Shoup just for a second. So yeah. that was a great interview. First, second, uh, you, you were clearly a fanboy, which was kind of fun, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you were, you were like, uh, you, you reminded me not quite, but you reminded me of my daughter when she was four years old, five years old, and she met Mary Poppins, right? It was, oh wow. you know, she, she we were at Disneyland she met Mary Poppins and the way she looked up at her, I was just like, you know, they could have <laughs> emptied my wallet on the way out for that moment, but you, you'd sort of met your idol, right? Yeah. He is, yeah. He is absolutely you know, an icon, at least from a thought leadership perspective in parking. And so that's the first thing. And the second thing I'll say is, you know, I could go down and name 10 people off the top of my head in parking who are exactly like that, where they look from the outside to be totally unapproachable, or you're, you're, you're worried that they're icons in the industry and they are just the nicest people you would ever want to meet. And it's Mm. that, that is almost universal in parking which I, is yeah. one of the things that I love about parking for sure. Yeah. Like St- Steve Reds, it comes to mind. I don't know if you've ever dealt yep. with him. Oh, sure. I yep. love, uh, he just like, I would help him with the proposal and then he would turn around and just tell the bosses like, this was all Isaiah. You know, he just always like build me up and passing the praise and glory from him to someone yep. else. And I just learned so many life lessons and, um, it's almost like he read that book, how to win friends and friends. influence, like he wrote the book, but he, yeah. he's so good at that and things I've tried to adopt in my, my career. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's ingratiating when people offer to help. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you don't expect the reciprocation and when you get it, in my opinion, that is the, the fuel that, that, uh, really creates, uh, the, mm-hmm. a great relationship for sure. It's the yeah. symbiosis. It's it's the collaborativeness of it. That that to me is what makes well, for trust and great relationships in parking. And the reason you mentioned a minute ago, just how people in parking have been helpful and collaborative, because when you ask how people got into parking, everyone's story is different. No one, like in banking, these people that go and get their finance degrees and they go into this bureaucratic world where parking it just. You know, to be good at parking, you have to be a jack of all trades. You got to be able to see a problem, approach it from different angles. And I just feel so the industry is full of just these jack of all trades that I feel are built different and 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 are are more willing to help and be team player. I don't know if that's just a theory I'm working on, but it has to do with we all have 
we all kind of didn't mean to get in this industry, but found a found that we were needed or found something we liked and, and joined. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, and I've actually written about this in my column. I think parking people are some of the grittiest people that I know, and mm. they are also uh, willing to go way above and beyond. If you think about the fact that, you know, those cars are going to show up, whether you're shorthanded or you've got full staff and the manager yep. will know, uh, and you probably lived this many times where you don't have the staff to support the cars that are coming and you don't have a choice because they don't care. They're coming to park their car and they want to go. And every time the parking people step up and they just get the job done and then they don't go home until the job is completely done. Nobody's nobody's checking, you know, punching the clock and leaving when they know that there's work to be done with colleagues behind. And I just love that. That is the stuff that really Gets me yeah. going for sure. You're spot on for sure. All right. So, okay. So we did what the memorable moments. Tell me about some of the epic fails of during the podcast. <laughs> okay. Get, but, go to the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. I, I think my most, one of the most embarrassing moments, luckily is such a good friend, but actually my first episode that aired was Charlie DeBeau, but the first one I recorded was Gary Means. And the reason it wasn't first is... I spent a whole hour nervous, asking these questions, giving it my heart and soul, and then realized I never hit the record button on Zoom. So we just spent an hour just faking this conversation and it wasn't recorded. And then, you know, I had to message him the next day, like, hey, this is kind of embarrassing, but I didn't hit record. Can we do it again? But I'll have to ask him if he remembers that because that was uh, pretty embarrassing. That was a Anytime now with my conversation outline, I put a big note that says press record or remind myself press. to press record. I also love, uh, I'm a sucker for these like crime podcasts. I listen to them all. And yeah. I wrote a story because I heard that the son of Sam Killer was captured in part because a parking ticket was issued the night before for a fire hydrant. And they had the idea, let's check all parking tickets around the blocks where the shooting occurred and they actually found him through that. Wow. And I found the officer who wrote the ticket and wrote an article that I thought was so cool. Um, but then I just called him back and said, Hey, I'm actually doing a podcast now. Can I interview about it? And so we did an interview, but I try to do it like uh <laughs> I'm just embarrassed. I try to do like a crime podcast parking special episode. It's still out there. I haven't deleted it, but <laughs> so it was like splicing in historical interview, historical like news oh, footage. You went all out. I had like the eerie music. I was like all into, but I'm like, it's so cringe worthy now. And I'm embarrassed by it, but I'm just like, ah, like I told you, I don't get embarrassed easily. So I'm like, I'll just let it go. And then also the COVID episodes, but. I did a bunch of like COVID, like we're all in this together. Here's some parking jokes. Here's some game. You know, I kind of right. just, just, you know, here's people who need jobs and looking back, it's kind of embarrassing because I'm like, it's the end of the world. But really, if you think about it at the time, we were all like, oh my, go home. We're shutting down. The world's shut down. We may all yeah. lose jobs. It was a very scary time. So it's kind of, you have to listen to it, remembering what it was like when we, those episodes came out, but they're, they're a little, 
cheesy. I'm like, hey, we're all in this together. I, I don't know. They were appropriate at the time, but now I yep. I don't like listening to them now. Well, I mean, you know, we can we can revise history now because we know what happened. But yeah, yeah, you know, the world shut down. Parking revenue went to zero. Yeah, people got light, laid off. I mean, I remember they were talking about Uber's going to be dead. Valet was definitely dead. And nothing could be further from the truth because, yep. you know, we just bounced back. And yeah. so uh, just incredible, incredible time. I just remember the news cycles literally would change three times a day. <laughs> yeah. It's, right. And, it's... you know, the, the decision you made at 9 a.m. was totally opposite of the decision you had to make at yeah. 5 p.m. because the news changed that fast. This episode is brought to you by RiseTech. RiseTech's Verge data analytics and reporting platform delivers a powerful management solution with integration to your existing technologies. I've actually seen this and it's pretty cool. I hope you check it out. Learn why some of the largest cities in the United States, such as New York City, are using RiseTech to solve their parking and transportation challenges at risetechglobal.com forward slash parking podcast. So we've talked about embarrassing moments in COVID. Uh, yeah, in retrospect, it's clearly is 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 cheesy, as you said, because now we know the truth. I mean, heck, go back. We didn't have vaccines for ten months or eleven months or twelve months or whatever it was, maybe longer than that. Mm -hmm. And you know, we we still didn't know the magnitude of the disease, and so it was it was it was scary on multiple levels for sure. Yeah, and you know, I had to lay off some dear friends and. You know, so it was it was definitely a very hard time for the industry and for us. But I, it was more me trying to, like I think this was when Tiger King was coming out. So I was doing Tiger King bits and just I, I don't know. I was just doing anything I could to provide content for for listeners and interviewing just different people on what they were doing during COVID to come up with revenue or save jobs or change the industry, but. I don't know. I mean, they may be fine. I just, I just try not to listen to them. Yeah. Well, and and again, it's it's unfair. If you go back and listen to Joe Rogan's early podcast, they're probably just as loony, right? Yeah, exactly. But that so that leads me sort of to, you know, the elements of success. We talked a little bit about presence, but some of the best guests that you ever had. What what made those shows light up in your opinion? Um. Yeah. So I don't. I don't like salesy, so so finding guests first of all um, that have great stories to tell. Now they could have a great technology that's changing the industry, yep. but I love it when they approach it with a more educational than a sales, right? So sure. again, I, I'm pretty good at that. Like I try to, I try to interview university, municipal, like kind of people in the public space, authors that aren't necessarily selling. We do have some, a lot of great vendors, great strategic partners and sponsors, but I like people that are genuine. You know, they're not reading from a script. They're good storytellers. They're present. Again, a lot of it's, I may have a great guest, but if I'm not present and asking the right questions, it's not going to be a great episode. Interesting technologies and or topics. That's another, like I remember uh, one of my top downloaded ones was a, uh, Jim Corbett, who worked for 
a consulting company and he was not pushing the consultant company, we had a great topic. We were talking about exclusive pay by self. Can a city go meterless and still meet their objectives and be uh, you know, diverse and inclusive with mobile payment only? But he represented his company so well, and hopefully he got sales through that just by talking about a great topic. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then believe it or not, Brian, uh, people aren't going to like this one that you and I talking because I realized that uh, the sweet spots around that 25 minute mark, I feel like even some great episodes when they're like an hour, I feel like people, I don't know if it's like they want to get off their to-do list or what, but you can, I can tell how long people listen. And it seems like a lot of longer ones, they, after 28, 30 minutes, they stop listening or go on to, you know, their attention's diverted. So I try to keep it around 25 minutes, but I don't know. Yeah. Just genuine guests, um, good storytellers and right topics or technologies. Yeah. Again, some some salesy ones have been great too because it's just an interesting technology. People are really are thirsty, you know, thirsty for yeah for that knowledge and how how they're doing it. So yeah, yeah and, and and just sort of corroborating what they know. Okay, well, so yeah. let's move it along. Like, we'll. Uh, I am. I can tell you that this will air a little bit later. So I'll the podcast will already be my podcast will already be out, and I can tell you length is an epic fail for me right now. So I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told you my secret. Some people that have been on the podcast know is I don't pay for zoom. So it, it caps you off at 40 minutes. So, so I tell them, Hey, we got five minutes left. I'm going to blitz through these last few questions just to keep it around under 30 by the time I'm done editing it. Yeah. That's great. Okay. So, so then what are you excited about now? What are you looking forward to for you know, what's the future of the parking podcast from your perspective? What are you excited about? Oh, 100% is the parking museum. I don't know if you've had a chance to see this, Brian, but I am collecting different things from around the industry that are historical or just important or fun. And um, I, I have them. So people often think like it's a virtual exhibit, like um, but I own them. And then I post a picture on the website of like, here's, here's something in my exhibit, but I am having so much fun with that. And uh, well, that's what I'm so excited about. So and I want to talk about it because if you have stuff that you would want to donate to people listening, I'd love to hear about it. I, I'm not just looking for like, here's a parking meter or here's a parking handheld or a parking sign. I'm looking for this meter was used in Cool Hand Luke, or this was the original 1935 Oklahoma City meter, uh, or okay. uh, right. this was our company's first ticket, you know, yep. and now yep. we've, we've issued a million tickets. So things that are kind of unique. Uh, yeah, I'd love to get some of that old central signage or handbooks, just different things to preserve uh, some of the history of our industry. But I mean, I have some really cool stuff uh, that I'm so excited to share and collect because the more I talk about it, the more stuff I'm getting at. Someone just donated, a, if you remember that garage collapse in New York City earlier this year. Yes. And unfortunately, a, a parking professional passed away, Willis Moore, who uh, talked about another parking podcast, just to, seemed to be beloved, great manager, great person, loved his customers. and But someone got a piece of a brick from the collapsed garage and now I can honor willis and just have this um in the in the museum and i legit can seem i want to donate this or 
or find a home for it one day to, I don't know, be like the, the gatekeeper of the parking industry because it's not being done right now as far as the history. So I'm excited yeah. about that. Yeah. You're a parking history curator. That <laughs> I sounds, a curator. <laughs> you know, actually that's, that is right up your alley because, you know, one of the things I was going to ask you about, I can't remember what your answer is or where you are, but you're trying to get to all of the president's graves. Is that true? Have you, have you made it to all of them? I did it. Yeah. It took me 10 years, lifelong dream. So I love presidents and I stumbled upon, you know, I went to Mount Vernon, George Washington's home. He's buried there. And I was like, took a I was like, wow, that's wild to think about the dollar bill and um, all the history and the painting of him crossing the, the river. And, and it's like, he is literally six feet underneath me, his remains. And not to sound too morbid, but I'm so, it's kind of, like meeting a celebrity, oh, this right. sounds weird, but it's like he is a celebrity. Is just, yeah, I mean, but it's like he's literally <laughs> right there. You know, all right this there. stuff I've read about, he's right there. So I started realizing, you know, every president, every famous person's buried somewhere. So I just started uh, visiting all the presidents, and then famous authors, artists, athletes. I've gotten about eight hundred famous people, but I did get every president. And most of them have like a library, a museum, or a house they grew up in. And I've gotten most of those, but not all of them. But I have visited every single president that's been buried. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So was Washington your favorite? Oh, man. My favorite. Um, or maybe no, favorite, I'm, most unique. Yeah. Uh, I got to think about that. I've, uh, some of the, because I like Reagan and uh, Nixon. Like some of them just have really cool museums, right? And you can walk on the Air Force One at the time, the the, the jets at the Reagan Museum, oh, and that's Nixon. Cool. Nixon has a helicopter and a, a limo, and so just some of the they're my favorite grades, but probably because of the museum and the house and all the stuff that came with the visit. So I've had some great yeah. visits. Some are like like Franklin Pierce, maybe in Vermont or New Hampshire, like Concord, New Hampshire. I think like. Just a normal uh, gravestone, almost. Uh, you know, all of them have a flag above it, so it has this little flag. But it's they keep it, you know, they keep it well maintained. But it's just so obscure. You're just like, wow, right. that that was a present. But I don't know, man. I I I, <laughs> I have so many good memories doing it. My kids, we go on vacation. They're like, oh great, we're going two hours out of the way because Dad wants to see a president. But <laughs> we we did it. <laughs> Well, and someday they'll appreciate that. Yeah, course, yeah, they will. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. They they will look back that, on that fondly because they'll be doing their own version of that with their kids, and yeah, they'll remember. And, right? Yeah, and then um, yeah, I remember doing some stuff with my family that I didn't appreciate at the time, like a national park or whatever. That now yeah. I'm like, man, I I love it now. But but to the parking, it is right. It's like like uh, uh, Larry Cohen wrote the quirky world of parking. He just tells stories and. It's wonderful um, to to hear his stories, but I was like, problem is there's no audience. But I would love to write a book about just the history, like Central Parking and when it, yep. how it got founded, and when it merged with SP Plus, and all these things that have happened throughout the the industry that people know, and there's still people alive that can tell these stories. But pretty soon, because there's not a Wikipedia page on the, you know, a lot of these stuff that's happened, but right, it, it's up to us, but. Problem is that just no one's going to publish that book because of the cost, and there's not going to be enough people to buy it. But 
I guess Henry Grabar's book, I had him on the podcast, but he kind of does touch a little bit about the executive side of parking. But I, I don't know. I just think that a museum would would do would do great justice. Well, so so okay, so then back to the museum. You're going to drop in. I'll assume you'll drop in the the show notes how to get it in touch with you. Yeah, because you know if if somebody has a really cool artifact. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I I okay. love to hear about everything. I'm not again. People are like, I have this, you know, parking lot stress ball toy. You know, I'm like not. It's not anything. I'm not looking for just parking uh, trinkets, but more yeah, historical stuff. But I'd love to hear about it, but I'll put my contact information on how, how you can help with that. There's a way to donate to, I hate asking for money, but like there was a, you know, Lovely Rita by the Beatles. It was a song by the Beatles. He wrote after he got a ticket about a parking enforcement officer. Of course, he calls a meter maid, uh, Rita. And so I was on this auction. I saw a parking ticket signed by all of the Beatles and it was, of course, validated and everything is actually authenticated, but it wasn't a, the parking ticket lovely reader wrote of that. I would have mortgaged my house for that, but it was just a parking ticket. In fact, in fact, it was like a parking event ticket stub. So, but it was, I think it was like went for three or four grand, but something I, I wasn't ready to bite the bullet. But I thought if I keep selling sponsors and um, donations, I'm just going to use any <laughs> surplus I make from the podcast to support the. I don't know, museum. I just think it's fun and uh, something I'm interested in now. Yeah. That, well, that so that leads right into maybe one of the last questions is how, what are the best ways for listeners to support the podcast? Yeah. So the social media interactions, I know you've always been good to leave a like or a comment. Those go so much because once you comment on something, now all your network sees it and then- yeah someone likes that, then their network sees it. So I know this is social media 101, but that's been probably the biggest uh, the biggest help. Um, ratings and reviews, second, secondly, probably just leaving a, a rating on Spotify or Apple because that helps the more reviews and listens it gets, uh, the more it gets shared with other people. But sponsors, I mean, I'm not afraid to say anymore. I, I do sell sponsorships. I'm surprised I don't sell more. I probably... Uh, waiting list but the people have said you know we we pay whatever five ten grand for a parking a state and regional show and i hope you continue to support those but mine's like a fraction of the cost and they're they're reaching way way bigger audience because right. you know mine's global and i've had a lot of people tell me like especially startups like I can't tell you how many people at the trade show came up and said they heard about me on the podcast and wanted to check out my booth. So if you have the largest company or the smallest company, I'd love to talk about how you can support because I can use that money to to buy more things for the museum and and help uh, produce great content for you all. But yeah, tell a friend, listen, and uh, oh yeah, and check out the parking museum and send me ideas and, and donations for things you want to donate to the museum. We'd love to add you to our our donor wall but yeah those are all ways that people can support well i can certainly give you a testimonial around uh our sponsorship you know the it it uh it certainly has been a big contributor putting us on the map so thanks for that yeah no thank you seriously you were my first probably big sponsor and um i really appreciate brian so happy to support uh your podcast i know 
just just so you know, as you interview me, you are a great interviewer. And uh, <laughs> I hope our listeners can check out the Harder Than It Looks Parking Uncovered. I'll put that information in the show notes. That'd be great. Okay. Well, I think that's a wrap. Unless uh, there's anything, I will hand the mic to you as my guest. Uh, and and let you wrap the wrap the podcast up however however you see fit all right no thanks a lot brian uh it's been a wild ride 100 episodes and again thanks to sponsors people listening i got a few extra things coming up in the uh in this episode some fun things to celebrate the 100th episode but brian thank you so much have a great night thank you this episode is brought to you by taz technology Since 1993, Tez has developed innovative text-based mobile solutions designed to streamline operations, increase efficiency, and improve overall customer experiences. My favorite is the ability to pay for parking without having to download an app. Tez solutions includes SMS valet, text to park, permit to park, and much more. I think every organization or city or university should be adding Tez to their payment options arsenal. Learn more about Tez at tezhq.com. Hey guys, I thought I'd go over a few stats. So a lot of people ask. Top five episodes, I'm going to go over that in a minute. Uh, We've had uh, over 30,000 streams, listens, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think that's a lot, specifically with such a niche uh, industry you know it's not like your average person's listening to this podcast i'm very proud of those numbers but here are the top five most downloaded episodes drum roll please at number five is episode four an interview with steve hernandez and a conversation about connected vehicles at number four is episode two an interview with gary means and a conversation about accessible parking and number three is episode one, an interview with Charlie DeBow and a conversation about curb management. Uh, those three are dear friends of mine. I actually uh, targeted them first so I could be comfortable with the first few episodes. They're great episodes, but I do think they're in the top five because they are uh, the first episodes. And I think people, when they start listening, they usually go to the first episode instead of the most recent. Um, so before I get to number two and number one, A few other more recent ones that had really high numbers were episode 39, an interview with Steve Resnick and a conversation about the merits of Plan B. Episode 57, an interview with Jim Corbett and a conversation about pay-by-sell exclusivity. Uh, Episode 76, an interview with David Hoyt and a conversation about parking. And also episode 93, an interview with Jack Skelton and a conversation about Rise Tech Global. So those four were more recent but had really high numbers. So they are in my honorable honorable mention. So, and now the the final two most downloaded episodes of all time for the Parking Podcast number two was an interview with industry leaders and a conversation about COVID nineteen. That was episode twenty five. Of course, those came out right when COVID was happening in two thousand twenty. Uh, that one got a lot of listens. And number one is episode thirty three, an interview with Donald Shoup and a conversation about parking minimums. That one had thousands of downloads, not even counting the rebroadcast. So I did, uh, it came out and then a year later I re-aired it and it got uh, hundreds of more listens, downloads. So 
there you go. Top five. If you heard any names, you know, let them know. Congrats on the uh, top five episodes of all time in the parking podcast. As always, I want to really, really thank our sponsors. This is a lot of work to uh, edit and come up with questions and do the interviews and ship this microphone around the world, plus all the costs, the website, hosting, the services I use. I would really, uh, I'm not sure my wife would allow me to do this if it wasn't bringing in uh, sponsorship revenue. So thank you to uh, Parker Technology. Uh, they were our first big sponsor, platinum sponsor. Also, Rise Tech Global, a platinum sponsor, and Tez Technology, a platinum sponsor. And these three are my biggest sponsors and really are the only reason I'm able to do this. So thank you to Parker, Rise Tech, and Tez. Also, thank you to IPMI, a strategic sponsor. Uh, they really helped grow the parking podcast and have just been wonderful allies throughout this process and have had a lot of bronze sponsors. These are people that uh, sponsor one episode. They sponsor an episode. Even, you know, I'll name a few just from this year, Automotive, Modi, Park Trans, Solutions, Park Cub, Vade, Last Parking, but many more throughout the years. Thank you so much for sponsors. And again, if you'd like to sponsor an episode and be on this podcast, we would love to have you all. And most importantly to the listeners, thank you so much. I know I'm getting a little sentimental, but uh, it, I, I love doing this and love the feedback I get, the social media interactions, the ratings, reviews, just the comments at the trade show. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for uh, following along. It means a lot. And uh, and I hope you uh, stay engaged and keep listening. we got great content coming, hopefully around another 100 episodes. Thanks again. This episode is brought to you by Pave Mobility. Pave Mobility is the leader in automated parking enforcement. Pave installs fixed LPR cameras at no charge to you or your operation. Pave then captures parkers who did not make a payment or are not on a credential list and sends them a notice in the mail. Learn why so many asset owners and operators are switching over to Pave at pavemobility.com or you can just message me. I'd love to get involved and personally help with your account.